Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the battle. The many lessons that can be learned. إِذْ أَنْتُمْ Recall when you were بِالْعُدْوَةِ At the side of the valley. Which one? الدُّنْيَا The near one. الْعُدْوَةِ is from the root letters عَيْن دَالْ وَاو And Udwa is basically side, the bank, the edge. Okay? And over here it's referring to the edge of the valley. Okay? So you, O Muslims, where were you positioned? At the side of the valley of Badr, which was Ad-Dunya. Dunya not meaning the world. Okay? Dunya is being used here in its literal sense. What's the root letters of the word Dunya? Dal nun wow dunuv. What does that mean? To be near, to be close. So dunya meaning the closer one. Wahum and they meaning the mushrik army. Where were they positioned? Bil udwa with the side meaning at that side of the valley. Which side of the valley? That was al quswa. Al quswa from the root letters qaf sadia or wow, and it refers to that which is far. Masjidul Aqsa is also from the same root, Quswa. Why? Because it is far. Okay? So, you were positioned at the side of the valley, which was near, and they were situated at the side of the valley, which was far. Basically, the battlefield. And what was the battlefield? The valley of Badr. Badr is a valley, and basically there are some wells over there, which were named after a man whose name was Badr. And this is why the entire area was known as Badr. And because it was a valley, you can understand that there were also mountains around it. Okay, So one side of this valley was towards Medina, and the other side of the valley was towards Makkah. So you understand? One side of the valley towards Medina, the other side of the valley towards Makkah. So from this we understand that this Badr is situated where? Somewhere between Makkah and Medina. Which is why today also if you travel between Makkah and Medina, you will find signs. Okay? That tell you about which way Badr is. And if you just open up any map, okay, you will also see that between Makkah and Medina is Badr. So the Muslims were camped where? On the side which was closer. Closer to where? Medina. And the Mushrikeen were camped on the side of the valley which was far. Far from where? Medina. So they were far from Medina, but close to Makkah. So you were at Al-Udwat al-Dunya, and they were at Al-Udwat al-Qusua. Warraqbu, and the caravan that was being led by Abu Sufyan, where was it? Asfala minkum, lower than you. Asfala, from seen falam, to be low, it was lower than you, meaning it was situated lower than you. And this shows that the valley of Badr was situated on high ground. Okay? Basically what is being mentioned over here is, that remember how you went out of Medina in order to go and catch up with the caravan. But what happened? Things spiraled out of control and you ended up in Badr, situated on the side of the valley close to Medina and the Mushrik army facing you. All right, And where were they? On the other side of the valley. And where was the caravan? It had just missed you. Rather, you just missed it. Because Abu Sufyan was a very clever man. What did he do? He changed the route. He sent word to Makkah for help instantly, and he also changed the route. So he was supposed to pass through Badr, which is why both the armies came there. But instead of passing through Badr, he went south. 
Alright? He went south, he adopted another route, and this way he escaped. And when he escaped, he sent word to Abu Jahl who was leading the Mushrik army, go back, I'm fine now. But Abu Jahl insisted that no, we're going to stay. So, وَرَقْبُ أَسْفَلَ مِنْكُمْ وَلَوْ and if تَوَاعَدْتُمْ You all had made an appointment. تَوَاعَدْتُمْ from وَاو عَيْن دَال وَعْدَ What does وَعْدَ mean? Promise, commitment. So تَوَاعَدْتُمْ Notice the alif. Two people are involved here. If you two had mutually promised, had mutually agreed, you had made an appointment to meet for battle, then what would happen? لَخْتَلَفْتُمْ Surely you would have differed fee in الْمِعَاد The appointment. Meaning, if this battle was pre-planned, that you sent word to the mushrikeen, come, battle with us, or we're gonna battle you, and we're going to battle you at Badr, on this day, at this time, then what would happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you would never have come here. You would have missed the appointment. Because sometimes it happens that when we plan and plan and plan from before, like for example, you book an appointment, everything, But what happens when the time comes to go? You're too scared. You're too nervous. You're like, no, I can't do it. So you just don't show up. You just don't show up. Anyone has ever worked as a receptionist anywhere? As an office manager? What happens? People have their appointments and what do they do? They just don't show up. The appointment was made six months ago. The reminder was sent. But still, they just don't show up. Why? They're too nervous sometimes. Or something else happens. Or they just forgot at that time. Hmm? Because sometimes you have the intention, but as you wake up that day, the appointment completely slips out of your mind and you forget it. You completely forget it. Things are not in your control. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if the battle was decided by the two of you, you would have never met. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the circumstances as such that you ended up there and the mushrik army ended up there and there was no choice but to fight. وَلَكِنْ But لِيَقْضِيَ اللَّهُ So that Allah would fulfill, would complete أَمْرًا A matter كَانَ It was مَفْعُولًا One to be done. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made these circumstances. Why? So that a matter that was definitely going to be done, definitely going to happen, because it was already destined, right? Maf'ul, that would take place. So in other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decided that the Muslims be victorious against the mushrikeen this day. And this is why Allah didn't leave the matter in your hands. He created the circumstances such, so that you would end up there. And the battle would take place and the glory would come to Islam and its people and shirk and its people would be disgraced that day. وَلَكِنْ لِيَقْضِيَ اللَّهُ أَمْرًا كَانَ مَفْعُولًا And many times this happens that sometimes if the choice is left to us to do something, let me know when you're ready, then what happens? We are never ready. Right? We're never ready. Somebody tells us, Let me know when you're ready. Let me know when you can hand this over to me. And you're like, yeah, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month. And we keep delaying it, delaying it, delaying it. And what happens? Finally, we tell them, you know what? Don't give me a deferral now. Hmm? Because if you leave it to me, I'll never do it. You just tell me to do it and demand it from me and then I'll be able to do it. Like for example, 
this person, I have to meet them every few weeks. And I always tell them that once we decide when we're going to meet, then don't let me cancel on you. Please. Because if you let me cancel on you, I know that we won't be able to have our meeting. And it's a very important meeting every couple of weeks. And if we miss it, then it gets left for months and months sometimes. So this is one thing I told her. That from now onwards, you're not going to let me cancel. If I cancel, then, you know, or something you have to do so that I cannot cancel the appointment. Yes. I send a message to like GI who's taking the uh, retest because last time I was planning to give a test to the other I was not able because of some reasons. So I just text her, please make sure that I'm becoming for the test and because uh, I was actually making myself sure that yes. I'm going to come, you know. Yes. So. Exactly. Has it ever happened with you that your dad has gone somewhere or your husband has gone somewhere and because they come home at a particular time That's why dinner is always ready at that time, right? But because they're traveling for these few days, then what happens? Mom, where's the dinner? Yeah, yeah, I'll get it. And the children are hungry, and you're like, yeah, forget it. And then what happens? People are having cream cheese sandwiches. Huh? Why was dinner not made? Because dad's not here, because my husband's not here. What happens is that when you know that something is due at some time, Hmm? you're brought in that situation, then you just do it. But if it's left to you, whenever you find it convenient, then you do it. We just don't do it. So sometimes really, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy on us that we're pushed into certain situations. Because if it was left to us, we'd never do it. This is why it's so important that we tie ourselves to bind ourselves to some kind of commitment for the sake of our religion, for the sake of our you know, increase in knowledge. All of us want to increase in our knowledge of the deen. Correct? All of us want to improve our recitation, you know, increase in our memorization of the Qur'an. And we have these plans. In one month, I will recite this much Qur'an. In one month, I will read this and this book. And you check yourself after the month, have you read even a fraction of that? No, you haven't. But if you have a tajweed class, where that teacher is going to ask you, did you practice at home or not? then what's going to happen? You're going to practice. Right? You're definitely going to practice. What if you have a lot of food to cook? You'll be practicing as you're cooking. Isn't that so? You'll be practicing as you're doing laundry. Correct? So this is Allah's blessing on us that sometimes matters are not left in our hands. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides for us. Because then we end up doing what is necessary. And for your own good, for your own sake, for the sake of your iman, what should you do? Bind yourself with something always. Like for example, inshallah when this course ends, don't think that that's it. Start something else. Join something else, a weekly class. Go find a Qur'an teacher who can listen to your recitation every week, once a week, twice a week, thrice a week. Something. So that you are constantly connected. You are constantly connected. Some people, they're self-motivated. They're self-driven. And there are very few. There are very few people who are disciplined like that. Majority of us are how? We have to be pushed by others. We need to see someone being strict with us and only then we'll do our work. Unfortunately. It's not the greatest thing, but this is the sad reality. So when we are like that, then what should we do? 
bind ourselves to something so that we can keep improving. So, وَلَكِنْ لِيَقْضِيَ اللَّهُ أَمْرًا كَانَ مَفْعُولًا لِيَهْلِكَ So that he would be destroyed. Who? مَنْ هَلَكَ Whoever is destroyed. عَمْ بَيِّنَةٍ On sound proof, on clear proof. وَيَحْيَى And he remains alive. مَنْ حَيَّى Whoever remains alive. عَمْ بَيِّنَةٍ On clear proof. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَسَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ And indeed Allah is surely hearing and knowing. What does this mean? This means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you meet your enemy on that day without an appointment. Why? So that He gives you victory over them. And when this victory happened, this way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised the word of truth above falsehood. Truth was distinguished from falsehood. And when that happened, the truth was made clear, falsehood was made clear. And as a result, after that day, Whoever believes has what? Some evidence behind that belief. And whoever disbelieves, then that is also clear that he doesn't have any excuse for his disbelief because the matter of the truth is very clear. So halaka over here, the destruction is what? Disbelief. Because disbelief eventually leads to greatest destruction. And life over here is what life? The life of Iman. Because in the Quran we learn, أَوَمَنْ كَانَ مَيْتًا فَأَحْيَيْنَاهُ The one who was dead, we give him life. And what was that life? The life of Iman. So in other words, from this day onwards, whoever chooses to disbelieve, know that there is no proof for him. He has no excuse to show to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. And whoever is alive, meaning whoever has Iman today, then he has some clear proof for that also. So you understand, with this victory, truth and falsehood were distinguished. And after that day, no person had any excuse left. This is why we see that after the victory at Badr, many, many people became Muslim. Why? Because they saw that really this is the truth. Many of them, they did accept Islam just to be safe. Right, just to be safe from the Muslims for worldly benefits, but many were also sincere. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Id yurikahum, id when yurikahum, yuri." What does yuri mean? He shows, meaning he was showing. He was showing to who? Ka you. He was showing to you. What was he showing to you? Hum them. So remember when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was showing you Muslims, who? Your enemy, them. When he was, إِذْ يُرِيكَهُمُ اللَّهُ When Allah was showed them to you, فِي manamika In your sleep. Manam from the root letters? From the root letters? Noon, waw, meem. No. What does no mean? Sleep. Manam also means sleep. So if a person sees something in his sleep, what is that? A dream. So in other words, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed them to you in your dream, qalilan as very few. Remember that when the Prophet ﷺ came to Badr, they camped, the Muslims camped over there. The mushrikeen were right behind the mountains on the other side of the valley that was closer to Mecca, farther from Medina. The Prophet ﷺ camped there and the Muslims made preparations, whatever they had to. The rain fell down. And also, the Prophet ﷺ took a nap. Okay, And in that nap, what happened? He was shown a vision, a dream. And in that dream, he saw the mushrikeen as very few. Very few. Now, if you have an exam the next day, 
and you're panicking the night before. And you have a dream that the test has these questions that are very difficult and it's so long and you're sitting and writing and writing and writing and your teacher is standing there, stop, stop. You have this terrifying dream. What happens when you get up? Your confidence is all gone. Correct? You're like, I'm really not ready for it. You feel like you're going to throw up. You feel like you're going to fall or something terrible is going to happen. You know that you're going to fail. And you start believing in that. But if in your dream you see that the test paper is very easy and you're done and you're happy and you're very relaxed and you're enjoying with your friends afterwards, then what happens? You wake up and you're more confident. Isn't it so? Has it ever happened with you? Not just with regards to an exam, but anything in life. Something difficult's coming up and you see in your dream that it goes horribly. You fail your driving test. So what's going to happen? You wake up and you're panicking. You're going for your driving test and that vision is coming to your mind again and again. I'm failing my test. Then what happens? You fail. But if your dream was good, based on that dream, you become even more confident. So that's what happened with the Muslims. The Prophet ﷺ saw in his dream that the mushrikeen were very few. Allah says, وَلَوْ أَرَاكَهُمْ And if He had showed you them, كَثِيرًا as many, as they really were, meaning if you in your dream saw that there were a thousand in number, then what would happen to the Muslims? لَفَشِلْتُمْ Surely you would have lost courage. وَلَتَنَازَعْتُمْ And surely you would have disputed فِي الْأَمْرِ In this matter. Which matter? The matter of battle. فَشِلْتُمْ From the root letters, فَاشِينَ لَامْ And فَشَلَ is basically to lose heart, to lose courage, to become cowardly, and to despair. And when a person begins to feel like this, then what happens? He definitely fails. When you lose heart, when you lose courage, then you're leading yourself into failure. So Allah says that if He had showed you the enemy as many, then you would have lost courage even before facing them, even before fighting them. وَلَتَنَزَعْتُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ And you would have disputed with regards to this matter. Because some of you would not agree that you should go and fight the enemy. Because some people are emotional, and other people, they're very logical. They look at everything as white and black. Hmm? They don't understand the matter of reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't understand the matter of forgiveness and tolerance and patience. What do they say? It does not make sense logically. This is right, this is wrong. Five and five make ten. They don't make twenty. Right? So some people are like that. And it's good to have such people who think so logically with regards to every matter because they keep you be aware of reality. So anyway, وَلَتَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ You would have disputed concerning the matter. And if you disputed, if you argued at that time, some of you are reluctant and some of you are very hopeful, then what would happen? you would have been so demoralized, right? Because disputes are very demoralizing. Fights are very demoralizing. They distract you from your main purpose, from your main goal. Because you know what happens? You're doing your work, you're working really hard, and you get upset with somebody, or somebody gets upset with you. And there's back and forth between the two of you. Then what happens? As you're doing your work, You're upset in your heart. Why did I say that? Why did she say that to me? Can you focus? Can you focus on your work? Not at all. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
but Allah Sallama, He saved you. He saved, He protected you from all of this. When He showed the enemy to you as very few, then what happened? You had the courage, all of you were on the same page, all of you were hopeful, you were courageous, you were determined, and together, unified, you went to face the enemy, and you were victorious. إِنَّهُ عَلِيمٌ Indeed, He is knowing بِذَاتِ الصُّدُورِ With that which is in the chests. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how our hearts work. Because He's the one who made them. He knows the weakness of the heart. He knows that how if we find out that the challenge is great, we will be demoralized. He knows that some people will be hesitant. He knows that it will lead to fights and arguments. And fights and arguments do discourage us. They do hurt us. They distract us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept you safe from all of these problems. How? By keeping you ignorant about your enemy. So sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Because if you know about why somebody is here and who they are, then what happens? You can't be yourself. And when you can't be yourself, you can't relax, you cannot be natural, then things don't go well. Right? Like for example, sometimes it happens that your parents don't tell you about certain things. They keep you in the dark about some major realities of your life. And then what happens? As you grow older, then you find out. Or then they tell you. Why is it that they did not tell you when you were young? Because if they told you about those things at that time, you wouldn't be able to understand them. Right? You wouldn't be able to understand it, and as a result, it would affect you. Because some children are very sensitive. I'm not saying that everything should be concealed from the children, but there are certain matters which the children don't necessarily need to know about until they grow up. Right? There are many matters with regards to money, with regards to family, many matters. So they keep you ignorant about that, and when they think it's the right time, they let you know. Because then you can better process that information, you can easily accept it, you are mature enough to understand it. And if you're told before time, you can't handle it. It doesn't make any sense to you. Like for example, if there is a little child, and he's curious about how children are born, and if he's told about everything, would he... Accept it? Would he accept it? He cannot comprehend it. He's too immature to understand that. His mind is not capable of accepting such information. Correct? But with age, with maturity, he finds out. And he's ready to accept it. This is just one example. In life also, you know, there could be certain people in your life about whom you don't need to know everything. And your parents don't tell you that your grandfather was like this, or your uncle was like that, or your grandmother was like this. They don't tell you, because you don't need to know. It's unnecessary information. And with time, you find out, you realize, and you're like, okay, whatever. And you move on. But if as a young child, you found out, then they would disturb you forever. Isn't it? They would hurt you. I've seen myself. Mothers who are so immature, that they tell their children about everything that's happening in their lives. And what happens? Those little children, they grow up with hatred. Hatred for who? Certain family members. And this hatred, who suffers the most because of it? It's those children. It's those children that suffer the most. 
they grow up with literally psychological problems. Literally psychological problems. Because they cannot get over certain things. Why did this person do this to my mother? Why did this person say this to my mother? You don't need to tell everything to your children. If your husband did something with you five years ago, ten years ago, what does your child have anything to do with that? Don't tell him right now. Why do you want that child to hate his father? If Allah has concealed a sin of somebody, why are you revealing it? Why are you exposing it? And also, one more thing for ourselves, we don't need to know about everything. We don't need to know about everything. If somebody does not wish to tell you about certain matters, respect their privacy. Respect their privacy. You don't have to be a know-it-all. It's okay to be ignorant of certain matters in life. Like for example, when a person is meeting a potential spouse, they want to know about everything. Did you ever date somebody? Were you previously married? Did you have children? What caused that divorce? Every single information. How much money do you make? What size is your house? What school did you go to? Where did you travel? Why? Why do you need to know all this information? You don't need to know it. If somebody has done tawbah, yes, they lived a horrible past, they have done tawbah, khalas, you don't need to know about everything. And remember that when you don't know, that is better for you. Because in many matters, ignorance is bliss. If you find out about the reality, then you will not have confidence. You will be shaky. And once you are in it, then you deal with it. Right? Once you're put in that situation, then you're like, okay, now what can I do to solve it? Now what can I do to make the most of this situation? So remember these few things. Don't tell little children about everything. Don't share with other people, everything that's happening in your life. I'm not saying be extremely secretive. There are some things that you tell, and there's other things that you don't need to tell everybody. Like remember, Yusuf when he saw the dream, what did his father tell him? What did his father tell him? Don't tell your brothers about your dream. Why? Because then they will plan against you. They have this jealousy for you. Right? So first of all, you don't need to advertise everything that's happening in your life. And secondly, you don't need to know about everything either. Because we women really have this big problem. We will question and we will probe and we will you know, poke into every matter and waste our time and waste the time of other people also. And we mind, oh, she didn't tell me. Oh, he didn't tell me. Why? It's not necessary. Kiram and Katibin, no. I mean, they've written everything. You're not my kalam and katibin. Allah didn't assign you to record my deeds. Why do you have to be informed? Right? So, accept it. Accept ignorance in certain matters. It's not a big deal. Tawakkal ala Allah and go ahead. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will keep you safe. There are certain things that you need to know. Like for example, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was at Badr, the Sahaba, they caught these two boys who were carrying the water from the wells of Badr towards the Mushrik army. And they brought these boys to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ asked those boys about the number of the Mushrikeen. The boys couldn't figure out. So the Prophet ﷺ asked them other questions. So he did find out. You have to know about certain things. But if despite your effort, you cannot find out about certain things, then please, let go. Let go. Don't ask this person and that person and create... A huge fuss. She didn't tell me, he didn't tell me. Get it over with. It's not a big deal. 
Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ and recall, يُرِيكُمُوهُمْ يُرِيكُمُوهُمْ يُرِي What does يُرِي mean? He was showing كُمْ كُمُو What does it mean? You all. The wow is extra here. Okay? كُمُو You all. وَإِذْ يُرِيكُمُو When he was showing you whom them. What does it mean? Meaning, when he showed them to you. When you saw them. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you see them. Okay? So when he showed them to you, إِذْ when iltaqaytum, You two met. Meaning when the two armies met, how did you view the enemy? How did you see the enemy? unikum In your eyes, قَلِيلًا As few. As few. What does it mean? At the beginning of the battle, what happened? You saw the enemy as very few. So we see that in the dream, few. And at the beginning of the battle, again, the Muslims viewed the mushrikeen as few in number. How many were they? A thousand. And the Muslims, from the different reports we learn, as they were facing the mushrik enemy, mushrik army, the Muslims were talking to one another. One of them asked, how many do you think they are? Do you think they're about 70? And the other Muslim man replied, no, I think they're about a hundred. Can you imagine a thousand men are being viewed by someone as about 70 or a hundred? This whole fear that they had, it's all gone. Oh, it's only 1700. We're more than that. I think we can deal with them. I think we're capable of fighting them. So this boosted their confidence and this was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's special help. Notice Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has full control over us, even our vision. We can only see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to see. We can only see things as Allah wants us to see them. So He showed them to you as very few, but notice in reality they weren't few. In your eyes they were few. And He was making you less in their eyes also. At the beginning of the battle, what happened? The mushrikeen saw the Muslims as very few also. You might say, but this is not working in the favor of the Muslims. You know what it was? How? If the mushrikeen saw the Muslims as many, what would they do? They just forget it, let's go. We thought there were only a few, forget it, let's go. But when the mushrikeen saw the Muslims as very few, they said, yeah, of course, we can deal with them. Let's go and finish them off. So they came with all their enthusiasm and you know their bravery and everything. And what happened? Once the battle began, soon after that, things changed. How? That wherever mushrikeen looked, they saw people whom they didn't recognize. And who were they? The Muslims and the angels. Alright? So they started off as very enthusiastic and very soon what happened? Their courage, they lost it completely. And they saw their men dropping one after the other. And they said, you know what? Run from here. Let's get out of here to save our lives. So, وَيُقَلِّلُكُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِهِمْ Why was this done? لِيَقْضِيَ اللَّهُ أَمْرًا كَانَ مَفْعُولًا So that Allah would accomplish a matter that was already destined. And what was that matter? The victory of the Muslims. So we see that He encouraged each of the two groups against the other. All the circumstances were such that both the armies definitely you know, fight each other. 
وَإِلَاللَّهِ and to Allah تُرْجَعُ الْأُمُورِ All the matters return. Meaning ultimately, all matters lie with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing can happen except with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now at the beginning of the battle, we see here that both the armies viewed each other as few. But once the battle began in Surah Ali Imran ayah 13, we learned that both the armies saw their enemy as double their own number. As double their own number. قَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ آيَةٌ فِي فِئَتَيْنِ الْتَقَتَ فِئَةٌ تُقَاتِلُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَأُخْرَى كَافِرَةٌ يَرَوْنَهُمْ مِثْلَيْهِمْ Both the armies saw one another as double their number. رَأْيَ الْعَيْنِ Just in their eyes. It wasn't that in reality the Muslims were 600 and the Mushrikeen were 2,000. No. It was just in the eyes that the Mushrikeen saw the Muslims as 2,000 and the Muslims, they saw the mushrikeen as 600. Okay, double their own number. Optical illusions. Are you familiar with that? Hmm? So, if people can draw pictures, huh? it seems like a woman, or it seems like two people, but it's actually a cup, and you're like, what is it? It looks like both. If people can create such images, you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot cause this to happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do that very easily. It's very much within the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's listen to the recitation. إِذْ أَنْتُمْ بِالْعُدْوَةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ بِالْعُدْوَةِ الْقُصْوَى وَالرَّكْبُ أَسْفَلَ مِنْكُمْ وَلَوْ تَوَاعَدْتُمْ لَاخْتَلَفْتُمْ فِي الْمِيعَادِ وَلَكِنْ لِيَقْضِيَ اللَّهُ أَمْرًا كَانَ مَفْعُولًا لِيَهْلِكَ مَنْ هَلَكَ عَنْ بَيْنَهُ لِيَهْلِكَ مَنْ هَلَكَ عَنْ بَيْنَةٍ وَيَحْيَى مَنْ حَيَّ عَنْ بَيْنَهُ وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَسَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ إِذْ يُرِيكَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنَامِكَ قَلِيلًا وَلَوْ أَرَاكَهُمْ كَثِيرًا لَفَشِلْتُمْ وَلَتَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ سَلَّمْ إِنَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِذَاتِ الصُّدُورِ وَإِذْ يُرِيكُمُوهُمْ إِذْ إِلْتَقَيْتُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِكُمْ قَلِيلًا وَيُقَلِّلُكُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِهِمْ وَيُقَلِّلُكُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِهِمْ لِيَقْضِيَ اللَّهُ أَمْرًا كَانَ مَفْعُولًا وَإِلَى اللَّهِ تُرْجَعُ الْأُمُورِ Has it ever happened with you that you're going somewhere and you ask your mom, who's going to be there? And your mom says, I don't know, maybe this person, maybe that person. And you're like, but if this person's there, I don't want to go. And your mom says, I don't think they'll be there. So you go. And once you go, you find out that this person is there. Then what happens? Can you just walk out? No. You're forced to be there. And then you end up having a conversation with them, or you end up seeing them, and you realize they're not all that evil. Your perspective changes. Your opinion concerning that individual changes. Right? So in this situation, ignorance was bliss. 
Right? It worked in your favor. So sometimes really, when we don't know about what's going to happen, as much as we want to know, it's actually good. Because we're forced to do it, and once we do it, then we find out afterwards, and we're like, oh, so it's not all that bad.